Take the Bible, if you would, and turn to the book of Jude, next to the last book of the Bible. When I came in today, we was talking to one of the ladies, and in the conversation, she said that today was her birthday. And uh, she said it didn't bother her, but she had a twin brother that it bothers him. And so I said, you know, I'm really diplomatic. I'm not going to ask you how old you are, but how old is your brother? <laughs> and just like that, she told me. So uh, they asked this one lady, said, how old are you? She said, can you keep a secret? I said, yeah. She said, well, so can I. <laughs> well, this one lady, she wasn't ashamed. She said, look, I'm 39 plus shipping and handling. Well, the bill was up there waving that fan a while ago. You know where those came from in my day? They came from the funeral homes. Just in case you uh, needed somebody at your exit, you might remember them. But I was reminded that he said for ladies, if you have hot flashes, real women don't have hot flashes. They have power surges. <laughs> you ladies probably ought to like that. Good for my wife, Miss Judy, and I to be here. Uh, since I have seen you last, I have been a few thousand miles on the road. I've been to Missouri and over into South Carolina and Georgia and back home. And then, there is no place like home. It is always good to go away and it's always good to come back. Now, I realize that in Sunday school hour, you don't have as much time uh, as you might have, uh, say, in another setting. But uh, I'm going to read the whole book of Jude to you today. There's 25 verses. And I'm going to tell you why I'm doing this. The book of Jude in 25 verses, if you'll pay attention to the reading, you will be amazed at the spectrum of time and people. And uh, in 25 verses, just as we go through these, if you'll just remember names, and uh, that kind of thing. So, let's begin at verse 1. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, and this is one of the three beloveds in this chapter. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, to, uh, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, goes back a ways, Afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels which kept not their first estate, that goes back a far piece, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, unto the judgment of the great day, even at Sodom and Gomorrah, and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee, but these speak evil of those things which they know not, 
but what they know naturally as brute beasts, in those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, price dead, plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, second beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. Do you realize the time frame that we just traversed in 25 verses? Do you realize the people that we just met from Adam to Enoch to Moses to Kor to Balaam to Cain to Michael the archangel, the angels that sinned? And then not to mention all the mockers and those who are sensual and having separated themselves and they don't have the Spirit of God. And then the apostles of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a, if nothing else, I hope that the Lord will tease you a little bit with the idea that you want to do something like read this chapter again and maybe just sort of work your way through it and look up those people that the Bible mentions and go back to the passage where it talks about those people and what their story was, how that this guy Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, uh, he said that we're called and preserved, love, grace, peace, mercy be multiplied to you. And uh, he said, I wanted to write to you about the common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you, but I want to earnestly challenge you to earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And may I give you quick, three quick facts about God. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Would you pray with me and for me, please? Dear Father, thank you for letting us read 25 verses. And Lord, uh, over the years, this chapter uh, considers all of those events, powerful events, that the Bible just says is true. They actually happened. Men today may debate them or say they don't believe them. 
But they do that to their own shame and to their own peril, maybe to their own destiny. And help us as Bible believers. May we do what the Bible says to build ourselves up in the most holy faith. May we pray in the Holy Ghost. May we keep ourselves in the love of God. May we look for the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And may we have compassion on some and others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. And thank you, dear Lord, to where we are headed. You're able to present us faultless for the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, to whom be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and ever. Amen. And I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Isn't this a great, small epistle in the Bible? Some have said that it's the portico to the book of Revelation. In the 22 chapters in the book of Revelation is all of the end time events. And uh, it's like Jude sort of gets us started. Now, he said, my intent was, when I took up my pen, I wanted to write to you. I wanted to write to you the common salvation. Now, common salvation is not because it's cheap, because it's common. All get it in the same way. And all of us that have it, we have something in common. That is, that our Savior is the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I wanted to, I wanted to do that. Now, some have said, it's like he wanted to write about the common salvation, and the Lord said, no, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith. And uh, maybe earnestly contending for the faith is part of that common salvation. We should never take it for granted that all things will be as the same. If anything, when you read or listened to what I read to you, the book of Jude, did you notice that things did not, did not always stay the same? There were angels that sinned. Uh, there were cities that were destroyed. There were people who, who seem, excuse me, seemingly turned the grace of God into lasciviousness. And uh, where we are in our country today, uh, you'd have to admit, like the Bible says, these are perilous times. For men shall be lovers of themselves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, without natural affection. Uh, he, he says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And it's so easy for us either to get discouraged or to get caught up in what is going on. There is such a thing as apostasy. Now, uh, an apostate is not somebody who was saved and then turned from it. It was somebody who was not saved but sort of embraced, at least with his mouth, the truths of God, and then he denied all of that. Uh, Harry Emerson Fosdick had great influence on Vance Havner, a Baptist preacher of yesteryear. And Vance Havner was a boy wonder preacher, preaching at nine to lots of people. And uh, when he was in his early 20s, he came in contact with a book written by Harry Emerson Fosdick, who it sounded religious, but it changed him and it changed Vance Havner for a while. And Vance Havner came to the conclusion Harry Emerson Fosdick was teaching, and what he believed from reading the Bible was not the same. And so he decided that uh, he was going to go back to Jugtown, which was a place where they made jugs in North Carolina. And uh, if the Bible was true, he was going to stay with God and stay with the Bible. And obviously, he did believe it was true, and he stayed with God, and the rest is history. He's probably one of the top five quoted Baptist preachers in America, Vance Havner. Uh, he was a great guy, but the writings of someone had some influence on him. That, that is always happening. And, but when you understand the Bible, I, I think one of the reasons why what's going on in America today 
and why we are so much like sheeple. You know, sheep just go the same direction and so forth. And uh, in many respects, they're a dumb animal. And uh, they get lost and can't find the way back. And, and why people just go along with, and why they accept what's going on in the world today. And it's like, it's like we're not uh, standing up and saying, no, that's not right. That's not the way our country was founded. That's not the way we ought to be going. And, uh, but sometimes we get to that place where we just don't know what to do. And uh, we think, I'm just a voice. I'm just one person. Of course, John the Baptist was a voice, and he was one person. But he came to prepare the way of the Lord. And uh, who knows what God could do with just one person. But we are in the shape that we are in America, I'm convinced, is because we do not know our Bibles. Now, I'm preaching to the choir here at Gospel Baptist Church. You're a Bible-believing church. That doesn't mean that everybody in this church believes all the Bible like they should. But uh, that's the consensus of this church. This is a Bible-believing church. And if everybody in America was faithful in reading a King James Bible, that one hadn't changed on us, uh, if, they were, if they were just convinced of what they read, there's a whole lot of stuff that's going on today that would not be going on. People would be saying, that's not in the Bible. That's not the way we should go. That's not from God. You know, Jeremiah 8, 9 says, they have rejected the word of the Lord. What wisdom is in them? You look at America. You look in the top echelons of government. And if see, instead of seeing right, you know what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes 3, I found iniquity in the place of judgment. And he also found sin in the place of righteousness. Now, you would think in the place of judgment, there ought not be iniquity there. They ought to be straight on. And in the place of, of righteousness, you wouldn't have sin and iniquity there. But that's just not true. And uh, Ecclesiastes writer Solomon wrote about that. Here is Jude. Uh, so many years later is telling us about the same time that in the last days, there are mockers, murmurs, walking after their own flesh. flesh and... Uh, but he says they do not have the Spirit. These people have never been, they are not saved. Uh, they may have made a profession, but they had no possession. Do you understand the difference there? It's one thing to make a statement with your mouth, and it's another thing to have that be true in your heart. And so, but we need the Bible. But here the Bible is telling us about all of these things that happened in the past. And uh, it's still true today. One of the things that was interesting to me that is in verses 3 and 4, he's talking about the common salvation. And he said, I wanted to write unto you about the common salvation. But he said, there are certain men crept in unawares. They creep in. They don't walk into a church and say, hey, look, I'm from the devil. I'm here to cause harm. I mean, they come in. They got on a nice suit, coat, tie, look good, look sharp, maybe carrying a Bible. And uh, their mouth's dropping sweet smelling religious words, and somebody said, man, they must be from God for sure. And they creep in unawares, who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Now, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, according to the book of Titus, the grace of God that bringeth salvation, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts, that we should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world. But by the time these guys get through talking about grace, 
they would say, look, you want to make grace really big? Why don't you go sin? And, uh, and the grace will come in and help you. You know, Paul, he argued that in the book of Romans. What? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How should we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? You should not say, well, look, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go sin so I can magnify the grace of God. You know, the grace of God, that's when they turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. They make it something that is sensual. It has to do with having lusts, the wrong kinds of lusts. And they turn this grace of God. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews 12, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. If the grace of God is working in my life and in your life, there's going to be a, a reverence for God. There's going to be a fear of God, a right kind of fear. Uh, you know, Moses said, I exceedingly quake and tremble. And Paul said, I was with you with trembling. Uh, but the grace of God working in our life will keep you from doing a lot of things. It will teach us to deny some things. But these people come in and uh, they twist the grace of God. Oh, it's okay if you go do that. Matter of fact, let's go do that, and then we'll call on the God of grace to help us out. You know, you don't want to presume anything on God. And so he is writing this so that you won't twist the grace of God. There have been those who have twisted it. We're living in a day when across America, America is full of churches. I think some of those churches, God's not in them. You say, oh, come on now. Isn't he in all churches? No, he's not. He wasn't in the church of Laodicea. In Revelation 3, and that's in the Bible. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's trying to get in. He's not trying to get out. He's trying to get in. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. And so here is the Lord. He is saying, now look, these have happened. This has happened. There have always been these kinds of people. Now, I should have said, picked it up from about verse 17 on, which would be the second beloved. And the third beloved was in verse 20. He is saying, now, I want you to do these things, even in this day when people twist the grace of God and make it something that it was not intended to be. God is saying, look, I want to I give you some things that will help you so that you can be presented faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Did you know that God does not want us to fall nor, nor fail, but he does not want us to fall. Uh, in 2 Peter chapter 1, the Bible says, if you do certain things, if these shall be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he said, you do these things, you'll never fall. Well, what are those things? Well, in 2 Peter, it's like a sister passage to this book, Jude, uh, he says, uh, if you'll add to your faith virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful. And you won't be blind, and you won't fall. And here, he is saying, now I want you to remember. I want you to, this is in verse 17, I want you to remember the apostles. Now, he's talked about the Old Testament, a good part of this book. Now, he's going to talk about the New Testament. I want you to remember the apostles of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want you to remember their words. What did they say? 
and remember their warnings. They have warned us. Verse 18, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. You know, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, and verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. It's like if you went up to the coconut mall, and out front there was a big sign that said, Warning, there are many lying salespeople working here. <laughs> Would that affect how you shopped at Coconut or Edison or any other place for that matter? Would you be a little more careful? Would you believe everything that every salesman said to you? No, you wouldn't. Uh, you'd want to have some verification. You'd want to know some things. Now remember, uh, they can show you the big print, giveth, but the small print taketh away. <laughs> so you have to be careful. And uh, here, here he is saying to us that these, these are, they're out there. And they told us before. They gave us their words. They gave us their warnings. And he said, verse 19, they separate themselves. They're sensual, very fleshly, having not the spirit. And then you'll notice verse 20 is a conjunction of contrast. But, B-U-T, but beloved. Now, they're sensual. They're separating themselves. And this is not Bible separation. Not worried telling us to come out from, come out from them, among them and touch not the unclean thing. It's that these people separate themselves. They don't have anything to do with you, really. And they don't have the spirit. But ye, in contrast to those guys, ye beloved. Now, he, this is the third time he's saying, I love you. You're beloved. You know, the, the Bible tells us that our God is the God of love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One of the ways that we know that God loves us because he has given us his word. His, his word tells us that he loves us, and then his word tells us to stay away from those things that would teach otherwise. But ye, beloved... Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. Now, back in verse 3, he said, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith, which was once delivered unto you. Now, the faith is basically the whole spectrum of Bible doctrine. It would be the doctrine of God. It is the faith that has been once delivered to us, how many times does God have to tell us something? If he tells us one time, is that enough? So you better pay attention. I heard the other day that in some cultures they don't say, pay attention. Now, pay attention now. Because their culture is not pay like we do. In their culture, they say, now put your attention here. I thought, that's pretty good. Put your attention here. And, and God is saying to us, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith. Well, is that necessary? Well, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 4, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Now I want you to note, he did not say all would depart from the faith. You haven't. And we hope you never will. But he said, some. So, if some do depart from the faith, should that rock us, shake us? No, God already told us it's going to happen. You know, if you know some things, you know the old saying, knowledge is power. 
if you have an understanding of some things and God has told you what's come to pass, you know, it'd be like uh, you and I are going to go, say we're going to take a trip up to Indiana, where Pastor's from. And uh, Pastor, he leaves today, and so he's going up the road, and I'm leaving tomorrow. And he calls me back, and he said, Brother Strange, I've already gone this way. Now, you have to be careful when you get around Atlanta. The traffic really backs up around there. And uh, they're doing a lot of construction just before you get into Tennessee. And uh, then, well, now he's, he's giving me some heads up. And uh, that would help me on my travels. Well, God has given us a little heads up. And uh, he is saying to us, in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. But he is saying, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith. Now, how are we going to earnestly contend for the faith? Well, one of the ways we do that is we build up ourselves in the most holy faith. We make sure that I have the faith, and I'm going to guard the faith and practice the faith. And I'm going to share the faith. And I want to build up myself. And I would like to do what I could to help build up the church and help to build up others. Uh, Building, it's a present participle. You keep building up yourselves in the most holy faith. This is not just any faith. This is God's faith. It is holy faith. It is faith that is, you know, we live every day by faith. You came over to the church today by faith. You got in your car believing it would start, and you started down the road, and you stayed in your lane believing other folks would stay in theirs. And uh, it's, it's something, God took something that everybody does all the time. Faith, faith things. And uh, it's not like God's trying to sneak up on us and get us to do something that we have no idea what he's talking about. We understand faith. You sat down in that chair that you're in right now because you believed it would hold you up. Did you not? Would you have sat in it if you didn't think it would? You wouldn't have done that. You know, we, we, we live by faith. So God takes a, a simple faith thing, and he says, now, this is uh, the practice of this, but this is the faith. This is what I want you to believe, the faith. And uh, you build up yourselves in the most holy faith. Now, Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you never read the Bible, if you go six days and you've never opened your Bible, and you come to the Sunday school class and the morning and evening service, and hope the bill gives you something, and that's all you get, well, you'll get something, but you won't get all that you ought to get if you would read the Bible every day yourself. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. And then he said, I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. Now, this is not something spooky, certainly not as having to do with speaking in tongues or something like that. You, if you have not the Spirit of God, you're none of His. And uh, you don't know how to pray, nor do I, as we should, but the Spirit itself taketh our intercessions with groanings, which cannot be uttered by man, and makes intercession for us. Uh, but would that the Spirit of God would just lead us and guide us into praying. I came across a little book years ago, and I bought it for like 10 cents. It was called 78 Years of Miracles. And it was written by some guy who had lived a long time and he preached and God had done a number of things for him. And in that book, there was a little story about a guy uh, who was a professor in a college. And every year at Thanksgiving, he did three lectures against miracles. And what he did was he poo-pooed the idea of prayer. And when he got through with the lectures against prayer, he'd say, now, you still believe in prayer? And, of course, little minds full of mush. Yeah, he said, now before you raise your hand, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to hold this flask up and I'm going to let you pray and then I'm going to drop it. And you pray that it doesn't break. But I want you to know it's going to break. 
I'll even let you call home. You can talk to mama. You can talk to grandma. You can talk to your preacher. You can talk to whoever. And you can pray, but it's going to break. And he intimidated those young kids in that college class for a few years. One day, a young man who had a little different philosophy about prayer. I think he was going to pray in the Holy Ghost. He said to one of his buddies, would you pray for me? Because I'm going to take that challenge this year. So he went to the class, Professor Lee. Thanksgiving came. He went on his little tirade against miracles, against prayer. And he said, now, anybody want to pray? And this young kid raised his hand. And he said, oh, class, we have a taker. Now, son, I'm going to let you pray and we'll be real quiet. And, but I just want you to know, when you pray and I drop this flask, it's going to break. Do you still want to pray? He said, yes, sir. He said, all right, class, let's all be real quiet. You may pray. And the young man stood and he prayed a prayer, something like this. Dear Lord, I'm your servant. And Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Would you not let the flask break? Amen. Wasn't very powerful. And the professor held out the flask like this. There were no fans blowing wind around. There were no windows open. You can imagine there was a holy... <gasps> when that professor stood there with that flask and he let it go, that flask, when it fell, it came in an arc and hit his leg about right here, rolled down over his shoe onto the ground and did not break. And that class whistled cheered, clapped, shouted. And the red-faced professor never gave those lectures again. You know, would we have somebody who just believed God like that? Pray in the Holy Ghost. Well, you heard my alarm go off. That was my signal that it's time to stop. Let's pray. Father, would you, may this book of Judah, Jude be a help to some of us. Encourage us, challenge us. And I pray that you would bless your people, that we would do what you told us to do there at the end. Now we're on the winning side. And I just pray you'd help us to walk in victory. Bless Pastor Bill as he preaches in just a few moments. And the music that's sung and played and congregational singing. All that we do here today, may it bring honor and glory to the great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.